Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Life Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged, challenged, and most of all, we hope it brings you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're starting something new this morning. We kind of gave a little uh, preview of it last week, but it's, it's called Love Well, and we're going to get into that this morning. Uh, but before we get into that, actually, it kind of all flows together. Um, I felt like uh, this series... Uh, unintentionally was perfectly lines up with what we're experiencing as a country right now. And so uh, my, my hope is that the Holy Spirit talks to your heart and speaks to you through his word and through this message and these messages in the next few weeks to really just give you a kingdom perspective. I'm not here to try to sway you on anything I'm just here to present the gospel message to you, present God's word to you, and let the Holy Spirit do his job. That's his part to do. His part is to transform us and to open our minds, open our hearts to what he has for us. Um, But there's no secret, we'll dive right into it, there's no secret that our country is going through a lot of chaos right now. And if you don't know that, um, I don't know what to tell you, all right? But it's crazy, you know, I, I know it's easy to stand up here and harp on social media and the bad things that it's, it's doing to people, um, but man, it's just been very discouraging watching what's being said online about people and, and people who think differently than other people think, and uh, it's just, it's really disturbing to me how many people are posting scripture to justify their aggressive, nasty words they're putting towards other people. And, and, and everybody's watching this. Um, everybody's sitting back and looking, okay, this is the response the church is supposed to have to chaos. That's what they're getting from it. They're seeing Christians or professed Christians out there saying and posting things and doing things that for them, this is how we're supposed to react when things don't go our way or we think are against God's will or... You know, it's, it's anti-Christian. This is how we're supposed to respond. And I believe that we're part of the problem. And I say we, those of us who are engaged in that kind of stuff, we're part of the problem. We're not helping things in the country. We're just continuing to add to the division that's already there. Now, if you're easily offended, today might not be your day. Okay? I told the worst team before we started this morning, this is a very personal message for me because of things I see within my own family and within myself sometimes. This is very personal for me. So what I'm going to say today may not be attractive to you, and I apologize. I don't know what else to say, but bless your heart, okay? You know. So here's what I'm thinking is a starting point for us as a church, of what's going on. There's two, there's two words the Lord gave to his people in the Old Testament, and I just want to pull from that, and I'm not going to give a long context, uh, a background on this. I just want to say the words as they're written and then let Holy Spirit take the principles from that and hopefully impact your heart this morning. The first one's from Micah chapter 6. The word that was being given to the Lord, we'll have it up on the screen for you. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Verse 7 says, 
Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? Sounds a little aggressive. Verse 8 says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If you don't take away anything, please highlight this in your Bible app or your physical Bible. Write it down. The last part of verse 8, this is what it says. He requires this. God requires this of his people. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, there's a different passage that's used a lot when it comes to praying for our country. But there's some key words here that... that Go with Micah. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, there's that word humble again, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Now those, this was, these words were given to a specific people for a specific purpose, but there's some principles we can get from this this morning. God cares about us. But he desires for us to act a certain way. It's humility. It's mercy. We talked about grace last week. Stuff we get so freely from God and we forget to give it to other people. It's amazing to me how we can look at all the problems in our country right now and we think that we can get aggressive and that, that anger will combat anger. It makes sense, right? They're, they're saying nasty things to me, so I'm going to just say nasty things back. The Lord is good. That's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing that kind of behavior and that kind of talk, and, and we're asking God, please heal our country. I feel like I was just like George Bush just then. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> country. Please heal our country. We want the division to stop. We want things to stop. We want there to be unity in our country but we're still going to attack the people who talk and think differently than we do. It doesn't make any sense to me. Lord, heal our land, but I refuse to walk humbly and show mercy. God's like, what are you doing? I feel like we should be in those V8 commercials where the people get slapped in the forehead. Like, what are we doing? He's saying walk humbly, show mercy, do what's right. Seek God, pray. Oh, and we have to repent and turn from our wicked ways. That's pretty important. Some of y'all are like, dude, just go on to the next scripture. Go on. This is hard to hear, y'all, because we get angry about things. We get angry about issues that we see that we feel are important, that we want to stand up for. And look, there's a lot of pastors and a lot of uh, church leaders who are out there saying, yeah, get up and fight. Stand up for what's right. My question is, how can I stand up for what's right and still walk humbly before God? There is a way. There is a way to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves without hurting somebody else in the process. There is a way for me to be effective for God's kingdom and not get caught up in the political platforms of the day. Because this is my personal opinion. Y'all can disagree. I don't care. I believe they're all in it together. I'm talking about our politicians. 
I think they're all out to keep their seats and their power, and, and their main goal is to say what needs to be said so we feel comfortable in our homes, and they keep doing what they're doing. I am not wrapped up in the politics of this country. What I'm finding so interesting is so many people who are proclaiming to love God and to follow him and be a part of his kingdom, that their world is turned upside down right now because of what's happening in the country on either side. The world's turned upside down. That tells me something about where someone is. They don't think I'm being judgmental because Paul says that we're to hold each other accountable for ourselves within the body of Christ. I'm not going to judge somebody outside the family of God. I'm talking about people inside the family of God. I got a green light from Paul. I think we're okay. When your world falls apart because of what happens in Washington, D.C., your trust is not fully on Jesus. I don't care how crazy Kanye is. He was right when he said Jesus is king. You know, when the Queen of England walks around, everybody stops what they're doing and pays attention. They know what kingdom they live in. You don't have to go overseas and say, are, are you part of Great Britain? They know they're part of Great Britain. It's part of their life. Everything they do is to honor the queen. Well, we have a king, and his name is Jesus. And if our words and our actions don't line up with his word, his standard, then guess what? People don't understand that we're a part of that kingdom. They think we're part of their kingdom. Let me get to my sermon, all right? Do what's right, love mercy, walk humbly, seek God, pray. That's where we need to start, guys. That's where we need to start. If you're going to share anything on Facebook, please don't share any more memes. Don't give your opinion on political facts or fake news, whatever it is. Just share the love of God, please. Please, just share that. Share your testimony. Share your story. Let's, let's, I mean, I'm so tired of social media right now, it's not even funny. But if we're going to be on it, let's do the opposite of what we're seeing right now. Okay. So um, we have a banner in the back. We're starting this new thing called Love Well. And I really feel like it's the word that God's given us for the year. Love well. It seems very simple, but it's not easy to do. And like I said, I didn't realize how perfectly this series was going to tie into what's happening in the country. But it, just, it is what it is, and it's where we are. But love well. It's not easy to do because guess what? People can be annoying. They can be frustrating. They can, they can go back on their word. They can unintentionally disappoint us. And yet God still says, love them. Show mercy. Do what's right. A few years ago, there was a guy that did a TED Talk, and his main purpose of the TED Talk was to talk about how you start with why. You start with why. And what's interesting about his talk was that he was saying how the why defines the how. So why you believe what you believe defines how you do what you do with anything in life. Start with the why. Whether you're individually, you're with a ministry, or even running a business. Why do you do what you do? When you figure that out, then you know how you're going to do what you're going to do because this is what you believe and why you believe it. The hardest part about starting with why is not really starting with why, it's actually staying with why. We find purpose, we find this meaning for life, and we feel excited. Oh, wow, i got the word of the Lord. I've got this confirmation here, that confirmation there, and we start, and then 
we go along, we start doing things, and if we don't remind ourselves of the why, the how starts to change. And we start doing things that don't line up with our original vision that God gave us for our life or our ministry or our business, whatever it is. We start losing out on that. So staying with the why is extremely important. Uh, an easy way to remember this, or maybe it's complicated. Let's see. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Make sense? Perfect. So the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. When we do that, we don't lose our bearings. We don't lose track. And I also believe, without getting too deep into this, but you got to have people around you that know your why so they can hold you accountable and say, hey, bud, you're getting off the mark. I thought you believe this about your life and about God and the mission he has for you and your, where you are. Why, why are you doing something different? And it's going to be hard to hear that because who wants to be told you're wrong or you're doing something wrong, right? But if someone is speaking into your life, you've given them permission to do that, and they're speaking because they love you, not because they're trying to hurt you. So it's important to know the why, to stay on the why, keep the why the main thing, understand that. And here's what I want you to know this morning is that every single one of you in this room and watching online, whether you realize it or not, you're a leader. At some level, with the kingdom of God, you're a leader. And right now, you may only be leading yourself, but you're leading somebody. And here's the principle I want you to remember, is that leaders are repeaters. Leaders are repeaters. So when you understand the why, you have to keep repeating that to yourself, repeating that to the people that's under you, that are around you, that you're leading and influencing I mean, if, if, if you run a business, this is a great thing to understand, too, is, is that to be successful in business, you got to know why you're in business. And you may know why, but if the people that work for you don't know why, then they're going to make their own why. Well, this is why I'm here. you got to repeat it. Leaders are repeaters. You repeat, you repeat, you repeat, you repeat, you repeat, and you repeat, repeat. Ask a teacher. How do kids learn? Repetition. Well, at least maybe that was the only way I learned 15 times, 16, keep saying it. But leaders are repeaters, and we have to keep saying things and keep repeating to ourselves what the message of the Lord is for our life. And it takes a while to stick. That's why we keep saying it. And I really think it takes a lifetime to get it because uh, I don't know about you guys, but it's easy to forget sometimes what my calling is if I'm not constantly reminding myself God's called you to do this. He's called you to be that. Don't forget. Don't forget. You keep telling yourself. Uh, how many of you are Chick-fil-A fans? Some of y'all are going to be excommunicated after service, okay? Uh, so, Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A, um, when you go to Chick-fil-A and you grab your food and you say thank you, what do they say back? My pleasure. He wanted to create a business that had the best customer service and a very pleasant experience when people left. So he thought, we're going to say my pleasure. It's different from everybody else. It sets us apart, and it gives people a different experience when they leave our drive through Okay, so he starts telling all his franchisees that, hey, this is what we're going to start saying. So he starts visiting stores, and guess what he's not hearing? My pleasure. He's hearing thank you. He's like, and he could have got frustrated. You know, it's like, we just had a conference on this. We just had training on this. Why aren't you saying my pleasure? Instead, he started saying it. Everywhere he went, he was saying, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. They said it took five years for my pleasure to take hold in Chick-fil-A. Five years of saying it over and over and over again before people caught it at Chick-fil-A. And now you can't go to a Chick-fil-A 
and not hear my pleasure when you say thank you to them. It also, fun fact, took them 10 years to have eat more chicken catch on. For that campaign, same principle. Keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it until it catches on. Leaders are repeaters. What's God telling you? Remind yourself of that. What's your why? I think about the country, and I, I, I mean, I look at all the craziness, and I'm realizing that people have stopped reminding themselves of the why. Because if we were reminding ourselves of why, we'd understand that, oh, show mercy. Show mercy. This guy may be an idiot today. I'm going to show him mercy. Why? Not because I want to, because I want to just tell him how wrong he is. But the Lord told me to show mercy, walk humbly, do what's right. And what's right is, even if someone's wrong, I still love them in spite of that. Love well. Amen. Yeah. One of the things we need to think about when it comes to loving well, to being who God's called us to be, to choosing to walk humbly, to do what's right, is we have to figure out the answer to one question. What do we want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? That's a hard question to answer. Let's think about it individually. Don't, don't say anything. Just think about it. What do you want to be known for? I had an uncle just pass away from COVID, and all the things that are being put on Facebook about his life and legacy are pretty incredible. He's known for a lot of things, kindness and gentleness and loving God and, and discipling others, being a man of integrity. What do you want to be known for? As a church, what do we want to be known for? Too often, and I think that if you're honest, you'd agree with me on this, the church is known for what it's against more than what it's for. It's real easy for someone who's not a Christian to say all the things that are negative about a church because we're so vocal about the things we're against. And some of those things are rightfully so. We, we don't stand for certain things. I prefer to be known for what we're for rather than for what we're against. doesn't mean we stop being against things that are not of God's word, you know, below God's standard. It just means that we're more focused on helping people find the love of God by walking with grace and mercy and letting God do transforming work, and we're not trying to do God's part. I think when we forget about God's part in the process of doing life with people, that's when things get messy and chaotic. Because then we're trying to fix people and, and change people, and it just doesn't work. Unless you get married, and usually, you know, it still doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? It still, it still doesn't work. You know why people are so critical of the church? I think people are so critical of the church. And I say the church. I'm not talking about a building or a program. I'm talking about us, y'all. The church, universal. The people. They're so critical because they feel like the church, uh, what, what they say is the church isn't for them because the church isn't for them. Now you're confused again. The church, they believe the church is, is not for them because the church is not for them. They believe that 
we're all about ourselves, and you have to come into our bubble, and you have to conform to some things right when you walk in the doors. If not, then you're automatically on the bad list. You're looked at funny. You're talked about. Oh, honey, bless your heart. Oh, you're a drug addict? We have some former drug addicts over here. Why don't you come take a, take a walk over here? We're not meeting people where they are. We're not loving people for who they are in the moment. We know that God can change them, but our job isn't to do that. At the moment we meet people and we interact with people, our job is just to love them right where they are. Let them know we're for them. But wait a second. What if I'm a Republican and they're a Democrat? Do I still have to do that? Yes. Wait a second. What if they're just a rich snob and I'm, I'm barely making it? You tell me I got to love them too? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm telling you there's no pre-qualification that, for the love that you're supposed to be giving to people. There's no pre-qualification for showing someone that you're for them. There's, a, there's people that it's hard for me to be around that I support because it's showing them a perspective of the kingdom of God that they may not see from anybody else. What are we known for? I'm going to look at Acts chapter 15 real quick. There's some arguments that are happening among leaders of the church, and they're trying to figure out what the qualifications are for someone to come to know God and receive salvation. And they're bickering, they're arguing, so they all come together to say, now let's, let's figure this out, let's solve a problem. They start talking things out, and one of the requirements was that, you know, they'd have to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. So Paul and Barnabas, they start speaking and say, hang on a second, hang on a second. This is what they say. Uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 19. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who return to God. Keep that real simple. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who return to God. What is he saying? Let's just love people right where they are. Let's not try to get these long list of rules they have to conform to. Let's just show them we're for them right where they are, and we'll let God do the changing. We're just going to love them. We should not make it complicated for someone to come and follow Jesus. Yet the church is known from what it's against more than what it's for. We've got to show people that we're for them. And right now, more than ever, with all the division in our country, The church needs to stand up and show that we're for people, regardless of political affiliations. Because I've said it a thousand times, and I'll say it once more. We are Christian. We are Christ followers before we're anything else. Democrat, Republican, Independent, Green, Whig, I don't care what you are, okay? There's no Whig party anymore, Mario. It's it's gone. But it's true, y'all. It's true. We have to understand who our allegiance is to first. Now I'm starting to sound unpatriotic. If y'all beat me up in the parking lot, no problem. Just make it count so I can get some good money from, you know, disability, you know what I'm saying? Pastor, we live in America, the greatest country in the world. Okay, I agree. But this isn't my home. I'm just here for a little while. Why would I spend all of my energy and time investing in people who don't even know me, don't care about me, really, in Washington, D.C., 
and trying to get myself so worked up and put more gray hairs in his beautiful red locks. Why would I do that when I know all of that's temporary? My allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And look, I've been in politics. It's hard even at the local level, okay? But when you keep Jesus first, it's a lot easier to leave a council chamber and go home and not have all that gunk over you. It's hard, but when you keep Jesus first, you're able to walk away from that stuff. And if I would say anything about, and this is my last political statement on this whole deal, I think what we need to start doing is following God's word where it says pray for our leaders so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. And maybe we start praying that we can get godly men who aren't compromised to get in these positions and then still pray for the ones who aren't godly. I'm not popular among my, my conservative friends when I say this, but I'm, I call people out when they say stupid stuff about presidents and whatever. And I'm like, look... You want me praying for Trump? Great. I'm going to pray for Trump. Why didn't you ask me to pray for Obama? Why aren't you asking me to pray for Joe Biden? He cheated. I don't care if he cheated. Why aren't you asking me to pray for him? If we believe, see, this is the problem. Y'all pull me off if I get too crazy. <laughs> this is the problem. We start saying things and declaring things like our prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Yet we're going to gripe about somebody instead of praying for somebody. And I'm using the big stage as an illustration because if I get too small, it might get too personal to hurt your feelings this morning. But let's just say, take the presidents, for example. It's real easy to say, oh, yeah, I'm for Jesus, I'm for prayer, I'm for this and that, but I'm only going to do it for the guy I like. That makes no sense. This is the problem. We keep going one-sided with things. We keep, we keep letting politics trump God's word, and we're not walking humbly. We're not showing mercy. We're not showing love to people. We're just looking like a bunch of fools out there, and we're just a crowd in the face when really we should be influencing the crowd and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus and why I believe in him. This is my why, and this is how I'm going to live my life because of my why. But what the reality is, some people don't even know the why. We just come to church because we were just raised to come to church. And so therefore we're not going to be the church because we don't know how to be the church. Because we don't know what our why is. So we're out there saying things and using phrases in wrong ways to prove a political point or, or to win an argument when really God's saying just shut your mouth and love somebody. Instead of criticizing the the, the leaders of city council, why don't you go and bring them some dinner after a council meeting? Get to know somebody before you start criticizing them. Pastor, I don't like what you're doing this morning. Can we just, it's almost time, the game's starting in a few minutes. Lord Jesus, help me. These guys were bickering about what it takes to get somebody into the kingdom of God, what it takes for salvation, for someone to receive salvation. He's saying, look, I don't care if they're Jew or Gentile. we got to make it easy for people. This is Paul and Barnabas. This ain't Matt Chandler. This is Paul and Barnabas saying, we got to make it easy for people. we got to stop complicating the gospel with all of our political junk that we throw in there. we got to get past all that stuff because you're only here for a little while. Look, people are dying every day. And we're over here playing politics. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have influence in these areas. Don't hear that. I'm just saying what should trump all of that 
is your love for Jesus Christ. Keep the main thing the main thing. I've said this before too. Anything that takes the place of Jesus in your heart is, is an idol. You're an idol worship. I got a lot of friends who have put some people in high places that don't even know they exist. I'm just telling you this. I'm not trying to go against any prophetic words that's spoken over this country. I just know that I'm, I'm kind of thinking that God may be exposing some things right now. And it's exposing how attached the church has gotten to man. We've lost our way. We're losing our way. And the only way to get back is to understand our why. So that our how matches our why. And our why matches the word of God. It's the only way. The only way I know how to love well, because there are some people that I can't, it makes it real hard to love, you know what I'm saying? The only way I know how is if I'm, if I'm aligned with Jesus. If I'm not aligned with Jesus, it just doesn't work. And what comes out of my mouth is not pretty. Walk humbly, do what's right, show mercy, love mercy. The three things that we're going to break down the next few weeks and it answers the question, helps us answer the question, what do we want to be known for? I wrote some things down. I just want to say it and read it to you. I want our answer to be as a church. When someone asks, what are we known for? And, and when they ask us individually, what, what do we want to be known for? We want to be known that we're for Orange County. We're for this region. We're for this area. We're for the people. We're for our schools. We're for our businesses. We're for our adults and our students and our children. We're for people. And the reason that we're for people is because God is for people. The reason that we can love well is because God loves us so well. The reason that we can show mercy and grace is because God gives it to us every day while we're being keyboard warriors. He's showing his grace and mercy and saying, hey, let's wrap that up and let's get back to the main thing. Let's get back to the main thing. So there's three things we'll be looking at, and, and there are three things that are, are this. It's, it's creating common ground, it's creating conversations, and it's creating connections.